Hey guys, exciting news. I'm really, really stoked about this. On March 7th at noon Pacific Standard Time, Team Sideways is going to host an AMA on the Unresolved Mysteries subreddit on Reddit. Pretty exciting. Right? Hell yeah. Yeah. So the mods will post an announcement a week prior. So if you can't join us at that time, at that date, you can post your questions there. Um, please don't email us questions. We'll lose them and forget them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Let's try and contain this just to Reddit. But we're super excited. And uh, yeah, so if you can join us. And March 7th, 2015. March 7th, 2015. Sorry. Just yeah. in case somebody, you know, five years from now is listening to this episode. Not... 2017. This is not true yourself. 2017. Sorry. Thinking sideways. I don't understand. Does not compute. You never know. What? Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Well, hey. And welcome again to another episode of Thinking Sideways. The podcast. The podcast. The podcast. I'm Steve, as always, joined by... Devin. Joe. And once again, we get to tackle a mystery. It's a mm. big on this one. It is. And yeah. once again, it's uh, we do this every now and again. It's time for us to take on a story that's big enough that we've got to take it on as a team yeah mm -hmm. so this is one of our big shows so be prepared this one's gonna go on for a while because there's a lot a lot of details and intrigue and just yeah. kind of unusual things or unexpected things despite what the wikipedia page will tell you about this mystery in fact. <laughs> yeah. yeah somebody vandalized the wikipedia yeah. page. Uh, yeah actually no i figured out what the problem was it was i didn't know how to use wikipedia <laughs> oh, <sure. laughs> oh okay all right <laughs> And one quick note to our listeners before we get into the mystery. This story does acknowledge the existence of sex and some per, uh, marital decisions that revolve around that. So if the kids are in the room and you're listening and you're not quite sure you want them to, to hear some of this, you might want to pause this one and listen to it later on your own. The story that we are going to tackle is going to be the unsolved deaths of Dr. Gilbert Bogle and Mrs. Margaret Chandler. And they're two people who died for unknown reasons in Australia sometime in the early hours of New Year's Day, 1963. Well, at 5 a.m. and 7 a.m. respectively, but okay. Uh, it wasn't that far apart, was it? Yeah. Let's, uh, we'll, we're get, we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for killing the mystery. Sorry. Uh, before we begin, I do have to send out a huge thank you to Alina, who sent this story to us and then pointed us to a ton of resources. Yeah. Kind of made this one happen for us, to be she quite put, honest. She yeah, definitely she pushed footwork. us, yeah. Yeah, so it was, again, thank you. Let's begin with the story. Yeah. On New Year's Day, 1963, somewhere around 9 a.m., two teenage boys were walking along a path that runs along the Lane Cove River in Sydney, Australia. They came upon a man. He was laying off of the main path. And from the accounts that I've seen, they when they, they first saw him, they, they figured he was drunk. 
Yeah, that's everything. That's the one that I've heard the most. Yeah, this this dude was just laying there. It's New Year's morning. Of course he's drunk. Of course he's drunk. Yeah. But it wasn't until they came back down that path and saw him still there that they noticed that his face had changed color and they realized that he was probably dead and they ran for help. Yeah, I heard that they said they walked past him and then a couple hours later they came back and he literally had not moved at all. Exactly. And they thought... Huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. This seems That's a little suspicious. weird. It's kind of it's kind of weird though. I mean, uh, in that two hours, nobody else walked by him. I mean, a lot. It, it's uh, New Year's morning, Joe. That's true. Everybody's hungover. Exactly. Yeah. Or asleep. I'm suspecting that's what killed these two. <laughs> hangover. Hangovers. Yeah, the hangover. I've had some killer hangovers, but not that bad. Mm. Uh, the man was 38-year-old Dr. Bogle, and he was laying face down, half undressed. Someone had... He wasn't wearing his pants. Mm -hmm. Someone had taken his pants and laid them across his legs and his backside so that from a given distance, it looked like he was wearing pants. Yeah, and his underwear wasn't there, right? This is a fun fact of that I discovered. His underwear was not there, but a pair of ladies' underwear was very close by to him, mm -hmm. like silk panties, very mm. close by. Yes. Yeah. So he wore ladies' panties? No. No. <laughs> Further explained. Yes. That. Give me just a moment there, Joe. Uh, okay. You tease. Uh, there was also, just so everybody knows, a square of carpet laid on his back, which was later discovered to have been uh, something that was in his car normally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When the police arrived, as they will do when someone finds a dead body, they searched the area and they found a second body, which was 28-year-old Margaret Chandler, 45 feet away. And she had a pair of men's briefs in between her legs. Uh, <laughs> no, that's true. She did. She did. Yeah. So they were uh, panty swappers. Okay. <laughs> she, as Devin was kind of getting to, had some strange clothes. She was also partially undressed, but she was in a bit of a depression and had flattened beer boxes laid over her, Yeah. which is an unusual place to be, mm -hmm. especially when you're dead. Mm -hmm. But it's, it, it's unclear to this day... Who covered the bodies? Was it one person covered the other? Who did some other person? We don't know that. I think we might get into some of that later mm -hmm. on. But just to say on the outset, we don't know how they got covered up. Yeah. Mm. There were no obvious signs of damage to the body. And, and by that, I mean no obvious trauma. They hadn't been, you know, shot. They weren't laying in pools of blood. Exactly. There was um, some evidence... What's the best way to say this? There was evidence that they had been violently ill mm -hmm. before they died. There was vomit and feces both around the bodies and in the area around them. So, yeah, I read that. Uh, it's interesting, actually. I read that there was a small amount of vomit found near Dr. Bogle, like 12 feet away. Or no, 12 inches. I'm sorry, 12 inches, not 12 feet. <laughs> that's really far away. That's projectile. Yeah. So that that's interesting that there are also differing accounts of that. 
part of it. Mm. Yeah, and, and there's there's some issues with this story because it's been it's been rehashed a lot, and yeah. we'll talk mm. about some of that. But well, but I there know, was feces everywhere. Yeah, yeah. That, so that is were, an obvious given. They fact. were like all over the place. And, and I mean, typically when you die, people usually let go. Down yeah, there. but it was more than that. They were actually running around and carpeting the area. It actually, feces. I don't think it was next to their bodies at all. There was some down by the riverbank, and there was some you it, know, it, couple it was inches a couple inches away. A, but a bit of a trail. Yeah, let's put it that mm-hmm. way. They 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 marked where they had been. They left um, <laughs> regardless, it's not a nice way to go. No. But this uh, this led the police immediately sus- to suspect that in some way they had been poisoned, but they had no idea how or what with. Mm-hmm. The official cause of death for both of these individuals was listed as acute circulatory failure, but how or why was never specified. These two particular people who are on a riverbank on New Year's Eve, New Year's morning together. In various states of undress. various states of undress uh, were married to different people. She was married to a man by the name of Jeffrey Chandler. His wife, uh, Dr. Bogle's wife, was named Vivian Bogle. And I hope I'm saying, I believe it's Bogle is how you pronounce it. I would think so. We're going to say it the whole we're way. We're going to just keep we're running that So hope it's not wrong. Because otherwise we're going to look silly. Yeah. Maybe it's Bogley. Yeah. No, um, but, but regardless, it's, it's pretty obvious that they were there for a midnight encounter of as another way to put it. Really? What's that? Look it up on the internet, Joe. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, let's give a little bit of backstory. Again, this is just kind of the beginning telling of it, and then we'll mm-hmm. go into some details. Both of these individuals, Dr. Bogle, Miss Chandler, had attended a New Year's Eve party on the night of their deaths, which was hosted by another couple by the name of Ken and Ruth Nash. Dr. Bogle attended the party on his own. His wife stayed home to take care of their three children. Mrs. Chandler attended the party with her husband, Jeffrey, though he had left the party around 1130 that night. One odd fact about the party, and I think this is the Nash's way of trying to mix things up and make it interesting. Yeah, they were super interesting people, those yes, Nash's. they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you'll see this when you come across this case, especially if you do Google images or image searches in general, mm-hmm. is that what they told their guests was that they wanted them to bring a piece of art that they had created themselves to the party to display for everybody to talk about. Dr. Vogel brought a drawing, which it's it's really kind of strange, and honestly, it's weird. Let's just call it weird. Super weird. It's a disembodied hand in one corner and a disembodied foot in the other corner with a woman's face that points in two directions. If you've ever seen some of those profile images where it looks like it's a face looking at you and, and to the side, that's what it is. It's it, it's kind of got a modernist feel to it, and it made me think of the art that you'll see. There's a Russian, Russian artist by the name of Alexander Rajchenko. I, is it Rajchenko? 
I, I, think it's, I, think I, it's, I think it's Rodchenko. I yeah. really feel bad for all of the art classes I've taken. I suddenly can't remember how to pronounce mm. this guy's name. Regardless, it looks like work from both of those. So it's 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 unusual. I, I don't know a better way to describe it. Well, you could describe it by the fact that everybody said that it was created while he was high on LSD. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, that's true, right? People, people have speculated that that's how he made it. Mm-hmm. And the LSD is relevant to what we're talking about, which is the party, because this story gets covered a lot by the media, the newspapers specifically at the time. Was covered, yeah, at the time. It it was a huge source of headlines, and they were not afraid to insert and exaggerate and come up with theories and just proffer them to, to postulate that they were the actual thing. One of the things that the news said, or these papers said, I should say, is that the the party was some kind of LSD fueled orgy. Yeah, mm. which it's I find a little abs- hard to believe. Yeah, it's it's a bit absurd, and from everything that I've read, not actually what was going on. Yeah, it was kind of a lame party. It really was. From what I've heard, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah next I, time, tell them to bring booze instead of paintings. Well, I, I remember there was something about Doc, uh, Mr. Nash saying that he didn't give anybody more than two drinks the he, whole yeah, night. Yeah, he was dispensing, oh. quote unquote, that's the term they yeah. used, is he was dispensing the drinks, and he would only give people, according to at least one account that I read, that he would only give people uh, two drinks maximum. I love it, Eric. So, yeah. a very sober affair. Mm-hmm. But, well... Let's get back to our our case in point here, which is these folks. At some point in the night... These folks being Bogle and Chandler? Bogle and Chandler, not the Nashes, thank you. Uh, They were observed outside in the backyard together, described in, and you'll, you'll see this in two different ways, either in a close conversation or kissing. Not really sure. Yeah, actually, uh, you know, they that's not the first night they met. That's very true. They, they uh, Dr. Bogle and Mrs. Chandler had met at a holiday Christmas barbecue. It's Australia. Remember, it's Australia. Yes. So it's summer during Christmas. <laughs> so they were having a Christmas kind of Hawaiian barbecue. Another one of the coworkers of Mr. Chandler and Dr. Bogle. And in fact, it was reported by at least one person who we'll talk about later that... The couple, Dr. Bogle and Mrs. Chandler, had been seen canoodling perhaps that night, even or as early as Christmas. Intimate com- conversation yes. of some well, kind. Well, yeah. I don't, I think it was actually the accusation was in fact that they had been making out ah. or maybe like had a little romp in the bushes Ooh. on that night, even. Nice. The first night that they met. So that's worth mentioning as well. It is. Uh-huh. It is. Yeah. Back to the, the New Year's Eve party. The witness accounts say that the pair left the party together between 2 to 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. And the accounts vary a little bit on the time, which isn't surprising. It's the middle of the night. Yep. Uh, it's important to point out that Jeffrey Chandler, if you remember earlier, I'd said he had left the party. Mm-hmm. He came back. And he, because he had gone to a different party to have drinks Mm -hmm. where he could get more than two. Um, But he did come back to the party and had a conversation with his wife. And when he found out that Margaret wanted to not get a ride home from him, but from Dr. Bogle, 
he wasn't really all that worried about it. The, he, he didn't care. The account that I heard was that while Mr. Chandler was gone, Dr. Bogle, I keep wanting to refer to them as their first, in their first names. Which is, they yeah, called, we can do that. They called Dr. Bogle Gibb. Oh, yeah. Right? And um, her name was Margaret. So Gibb, and, Gibb had offered to give Margaret a ride home because she didn't really know where her husband had gone off to. And apparently when uh, Mr. Chandler, Jeffrey, came back, he said, oh, are you ready to go, Margaret? And she made no move to go. And she was sitting right next to Gibb. And so Jeffrey looked at Gibb and said, so will you take Margaret home? And Gibb just kind of looked at him and squinted his eyes for a second and then said, right. <laughs> and, that, and then Jeffrey left. Like that was, that was how that happened, which yeah. is just, uh, it's so weird. And, and we're going to get into some of this yeah. stuff about what, you know, the, the background on these folks. The proclivities of these people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the, the, the point is he left the party and he went about his way. He wasn't concerned that Not Gibb was going to give Margaret a ride home. Yeah. 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 And more than that. Well. Um, (laughs) This case itself was the biggest case to date for Sydney. And the police immediately went to work on it. They were reviewing all the evidence. They were trying to hunt down any bit of uh, any lead, any bit of information that might possibly tell them what was going on. A lot of man hours were spent on yeah. this case. Yeah. Like we talked about before, it's it, it, we the, the, the newspapers, they went crazy. Yeah. And they polluted this story. Yeah. Badly. I don't know if either of you did this. I read some of the old newspapers. Oh, yeah, you I did. find them on online. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, and, I have a favorite website about this case, and it references at every point what the media was saying, which is very helpful and very bad because yeah, they totally just different. misconstrue a lot of things. Oh, yeah, yeah. There, I mean, it really hasn't changed either. They're just about as bad today. No. And, and we've had this conversation before, yeah. but oh, yeah. but let's let's go ahead. And first off, let's talk about our three main players in this story. Yeah. Okay, my turn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk about Dr. Bogle. No. <laughs> Dr. Bogle. Uh, so he's a major player in the mystery, though he doesn't actually say very much. He was, his full name was Gilbert Stanley Bogle. He was born in New Zealand in January 5th, 1924. Uh, he studied physics in Britain under a Rhodes Scholarship. He met and married... Actually, I don't know if he met her in 1950, but he married Vivian in 1950. They had three children and also a fourth after his death. And by all accounts, he was a good family man, except for his philandering, which apparently he did a lot of. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess you can't really say give him 100% marks on that one. But friends He was said, a good time, Charlie. Yeah. But uh, friends said that he was interesting, wickedly smart, uh, fun, uh, well-rounded, into a whole lot of different activities, and, and just kind of an awesome guy. Yeah, they thought yeah. they people thought it was pretty cool. So, so he moved back to New Zealand in 1952 with his family and got a university job teaching and researching in physics, which was his field. And then in 1956, he took a job in Australia with the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization which I'm going to call Cicero from now on. The C-S-I-R-O, because yeah, we're going to so talk Cicero. about that a number of times, yeah. so yeah. it's yes. much easier to do. <laughs> yeah, Cicero is Australia's national science agency, and so they actually cover a lot of different fields of science. 
he got a three-year appointment, which began September 56. He started working in the cryogenics group. Uh, by, by about a year later, he had been given an, an indefinite appointment because apparently his, uh, his chief of his division liked him so much and found him noteworthy. Here's a quote. He was noteworthy for his mental powers, his breadth of, breadth of knowledge, his capacity for original ideas, his drive and enthusiasm, his range of experimental techniques, and his outstanding ability as a lecturer. Yeah, so this guy really liked Bogle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he did. Uh, his name was Briggs, and he encouraged Bogle to resume his, his research on paramagnetic resonance, which I'm not really sure what that is, and I was too lazy to look it up. I, so. It's um, it's using radio waves and magnets as weapons. Mm. Is that the Maser? Oh, maybe. Mm. Well, there, there, there's talk about one point. I think this might oh, come the up maser. Yes. The Maser. That, yes. that, maybe that's how you generate the Maser. Yeah, Masers mm-hmm. are like lasers, but with microwaves. Yeah. yeah. Coherent. Yeah. yeah, lasers, as you know, is coherent light, right? I do now. Yeah, all the, little fo- all the little photons are moving in the same direction, whereas the light from the light bulb up there in the ceiling, they're just like going, you know, shotgun scattering everywhere. But lasers, they have their coherent light, and they all move in the same direction. So, it's, yeah, it's, I, I guess the point of the whole thing is that Dr. Bogle was working on what could be considered, or was encouraged to work on what could be considered weapons of ray? warfare and death mm-hmm. rays and weird mad scientist stuff. <laughs> That's freaking cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you I know? want Grant to be a mad scientist. I right? Know. You know, actually, I ch- and I, I checked, and in an alternate timeline, he actually didn't die, and he invented the warp drive in 1977. Yeah, and then Stop. came back to tell us yeah. about it. I know. Stop it. Uh, You're listen. totally making stuff up again. <laughs> yeah. Joe's already wanting to get off script. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you... uh, Briggs, uh, his chief, uh, recommended him for accelerated advancement. He drew attention to the fact that he'd done all this work on the, on the, the recent development of the Maser, yeah. which is like a laser, like I said. Uh, and his, uh, his theoretical and practical contribution to this, the development of this, and apparently was developed for use in radio astronomy, was apparently pretty large. Uh, Bogle was a smart guy, actually. I gotta say, it's too bad he died. It, you know, because... He was a crazy smart guy. Oh yeah, he was a really smart guy. Um, so his chief in 1962 called him, quote, the most brilliant member of the staff. So, wow, he must have been off the charts smart. Uh, Bogle was offered a two-year appointment in quantum electronics at Bell Laboratories in the U.S., uh, and he really wanted to take the job. Cicero granted him a leave of absence to take the job, and apparently he was, a, he, people said he was very excited about going to work in America at Bell Labs. In fact, that was one of the reasons that the Nashes had thrown that party if if I remember correctly, it was that or the barbecue party. One of them was part holiday party, part going away party for Dr. Yeah, I, oh, I, you're right. I can't remember which one He was set to leave within, I think, the month, I think, uh, maybe even within a couple weeks. So. Yeah, it, yeah. Was not far, it was not far away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's really kind of sad this guy died um, because, yeah, who knows what he would have accomplished. Yeah, so you want to talk about Miss Chandler, Margaret, for a minute? Yeah, let's talk about Margaret. Oh, wait a minute. I've got to talk about his hobbies and his turn-ons. No, <laughs> this isn't a dating site. <laughs> Mrs. Chandler, Margaret Chandler, she was 28 years old at the time of her death, and there's not a whole lot out there on Mrs. Chandler. I'll be honest with you. I don't get the impression that she was a particularly interesting human being. <laughs> I just don't have that impression. You know, I think guys were interested in her. I, yeah, I think she was kind of... She didn't have a whole lot of 
external pursuits, but I think that what you also need to keep in mind is that she had two small kids at the time. Yeah, she did. She had, she and Mr. Chandler had two small children. They were aged two and 18 months and they had left them with, um, with her, with her, uh, mother and father-in-law that night. She and her husband shared a love of vintage cars and dachshund dogs. Like, how boring. Come on, guys. <laughs> I, I, the weird thing is, okay, I, I don't mean to interrupt you here, but the weird yeah. thing about that mm-hmm. is she liked vintage cars and dachshunds. Maybe that's because her husband really liked both of those things. Yes. And so she went along with it. So there's all these pictures of her in vintage cars because mm-hmm. he's like, honey, get in there. Let me take your picture. Oh, and honey, hold, hold my cute dog mm-hmm. and I'll take your picture. Yeah, it does seem that she was the kind of person that didn't have a whole lot of going on for herself. She seemed to have been at least moderately intelligent. I think she probably was likely quite intelligent. She just kind of seemed boring like she just kind of adopted everybody else's stuff she seemed to be pretty reserved she'd go with the flow yeah they talk about how mr chandler was kind of tall and outgoing and he had this huge red beard and stood out in a room and she by contrast was this kind of meek creature just at his side it seemed that they were on the same kind of page about the way that their marriage should go, and that is to say that monogamy seemed to not have been for either of them. Hmm. Uh, I don't know that she was as okay with that as her husband, but she ended up going along with she it. She did have more than just Gib as a lover. She had had lovers previous to that. Yes. So... I don't know what that necessarily means, but it does implicate to me that she was at least kind of okay with it. Giving it a shot. Mm -hmm. And apparently Jeffrey had been uh, pretty absent from his wife's life for most of 1962. He chose to spend his time kind of more with friends instead of his wife and two young sons. Plus he he had a girlfriend, Also had a girlfriend named Pam. Never have a girlfriend named Pam no. when you're married. That just yeah. never goes well. Yeah. Apparently, after that uh, holiday barbecue that we were talking about earlier, uh, Margaret said to her husband that she'd like to sleep with Dr. Bogle. And Jeffrey later recounted she had, quote, put it in the same sort of way that one might describe a Rolls Royce car. <laughs> as like a fleeting interest of having <laughs> sex with this man, like, essentially. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think I that, like was, that. that was sort of the the sense that I got was that Mr. Chandler said, well, if you'd like to sleep with Gib, then you should. I'm for it. And mm. that, I, you know. You get the feeling that Dr. Chandler had fallen out of love with his wife? Mr. Chandler? Was he, he was not a doctor? No. No. Oh, okay. I do, was a doctor. Chandler was not. I do have the sense. He was kind of an interesting guy, too. I, I don't know necessarily what attracted him to Mrs. Chandler. I don't know if it was just that it was convenient. Maybe he knocked her up and they got married. I don't maybe, know. I, you know, I, I mean, can't remember say. what the circumstances were, yeah. but it was just... He well, well let's let's talk about Jeffrey. Sure, Chandler. yeah. Oh, just as a fun little side note, uh, you know how everybody knows like twenty Jessicas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there were five Margarets at the New Year's party that they attended at the at Ken and Ruth Nash's house. You know, there were I, five different Margarets, and there. I bet there were only like seven people there because they only served two drinks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there were like twenty people there. <laughs> I'm surprised there was that Margaret. many. Yeah. Oh, well, let's uh, let's talk about Jeffrey Chandler. Jeffrey Chandler 
also worked at the CSIRO, or Cicero, as Cicero. Joe was putting it, uh, which I'm going to keep using. Yeah, it's nice. But he, he worked there as a research scientist, and he actually did work in the same building as Dr. Bogle. The two were... They were work compatriots. They had worked together, not only just seen each other in the building before, but evidently they had worked together on at least one experiment. I believe it was only one experiment, mm. but never really hung out in the same social circles. Because mm -hmm. Jeff, he, Jeffrey, he hung out in a very specific sect. Yes. Yeah, he did. He did. Huh? But let's, uh, let's keep going here. Bunch of freaks. Chandler, Jeffrey Chandler was, of course, as we said earlier, an immediate suspect. And, of course, the press and the police went after him really hard. And but, you know, actually, in cases like this, let's see, he's the first guy I'd probably of take Of course, yeah, yeah. The yeah. husband is always the first one that's going to get attacked. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. I mean, this is standard protocol. I'm not knocking anyone for this. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not. I, I, I would knock the press. They, they have a duty not oh, to well. slander people. They went after his lifestyles, his beliefs, and in the end, his desire to avoid the press didn't help him out at all. Yeah. These are some of the things that don't help him. Jeffrey was a member of the Communist Party. Yep. Would got him a lot, a little bit of bad press. Mm -hmm. He oh. also, as it turned out, had been working for the ASIO, which is the Australian Security Intelligence Organization. I never got a clear bead on this, but from what I understand, what he was doing is the ASIO was trying to get him to provide information on the Communist Party. One of the things he did is try to host meetings at places, yeah. and he would try to bug the place for them. Mm -hmm. He bungled this badly, so he yes. tried to do this. Was uh, was is it possible that Mr. Chandler was not actually a sincere communist, and that he just basically infiltrated the, the infiltrated the organization? I don't believe so. I think that he agreed with things that were in the party, from what I understand. But there's a bad thing about that and the problem is is that he went ahead and signed up with the communist party at that time it was a bad thing and to be a government employee you could not be affiliated with the with that party at well, all well, you couldn't have any ties if you're potentially i'm not i'm not sure i'm i'm, I'm sure at least some of cicero's projects were classified of course yeah, yeah. and so yeah. yeah definitely there's good reason for that it, yes yeah. there is but he he what he while he might have been a member, he wasn't a, you know, book-thumping, card-carrying, scream-at-the-masses member. He just kind of liked their ideals, I think. Mm -hmm. But the problem then, was is that the ASIO, they, from what I've read, came at him and said, Listen, you work for us, or we're breaking the news and you're losing your job. Mm -hmm. And by the way, once you get blackballed from this job, you're never working in this country again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So of course he went along with them. Good idea. Yeah. 
Oh, and I briefly mentioned there in the list of things that uh, people went kind of crazy about for him. was his, One of them was his lifestyle. Yeah. Because he was kind of a swinger. He totally was a swinger. He, he believed in sleeping with multiple women, and he did so, as we've already talked about, while he was married to Mrs. Chandler. Yeah, it's that fine line of swinging versus cheating, right? It's swinging if you're like, hey, babe, you should do this too, <laughs> right? And cheating That's the is fine line. nobody. Nobody knows. Yeah. As you, you, you twist the mustache yeah. and have the wink. Mm-hmm. Oh, she knew. Yeah. Oh, he, yeah. He made no bones about no. it. He was very open with her. And I get the impression that for about the first year or two of their relationship, I think he was faithful. And then he began to stray again, but didn't make any bones about it. Just said, hey, I'm interested in this woman and I'm going to go sleep with her. And she, okay. Yeah, because she was a little passive. Yeah, she was a little passive. Then I've always I, I've noticed that I've known a few people that were in open relationships, and I've always noticed that one partner was always much more okay with it than the other one. Yes, and in yeah. fairness, that doesn't always happen. There, Not always, there's, but that's there's certainly a level of consent that some people have, but yes. often it does. Happen often that way. it is that way. But like I said, he he kept it no secret. But the problem was is that that lifestyle was. Highly frowned upon. Yeah, we're talking the 1960s. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this. Well, actually, I don't think even a lot. Of, I don't think the, a lot of people even really are into the swinger thing these days. Well, it's. I, mean, it, I, I know think a few the, the 70s and the 80s were kind of the high point for yeah. swingers, but late 50s, early 60s, yeah. there's kind of the bohemian scene going on, which Jeffrey Chandler was. A, involved with so there was some uprising of it then but as a general societal norm no yeah let's talk about we can a little bit to give a frame of reference here ruth nash was outraged the night of their party because neither of the chandlers had come by to say goodbye and thank you she was outraged. She talked about that you know, mm-hmm. even after she that knew is, that they had, a little bit impolite. That that um, uh, that Margaret was dead. You know, she knew she was outraged in the fact that Jeffrey had shown up in like a Hawaiian shirt. He'd shown up in casual up. clothes, and he was supposed to be wearing a suit. And she was outraged at that too. And so it's that sort of society, mm-hmm. at least surrounding them a little bit for the most part, to give it a little bit of a frame of reference, I guess. Oh, no wonder we left the party. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, th- this party was not his speed at all. Mm-hmm. We talked about a little bit uh, earlier that he'd left. Yeah. What he did is he went to another party where he, cause the Nashes were too stuffy. Yep. He went to another party where he met up with Pam Logan. Yep who was the woman that he had been having a relationship with. Mm-hmm. I believe they also worked together. I'm I not 100% that, positive that possible. they were co-workers, but I do know that they were lovers. Mm-hmm. They had left the party that they were at together, gone back to her flat. Then when they were done... Well, done doing what? When they were done, <laughs> he left and he went back to the Nash's party to find his wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was gone from that party for a good two to three hours. Yeah. When he finally came back, and we had said this earlier, is that she said, no, I, I want to I wanna leave with Dr. Bogle. Mm-hmm. 
he wasn't worried. He, and he had been, from his own accounts, encouraging her for quite some time to, to take, take yeah. a lover. Yeah. And, of course, Bogle wasn't the first one. But he does, there, there are many accounts from him. And just so people don't get the wrong idea about Jeffrey Chandler... It's not as if he just said, oh, okay, and beat feet and left. He went outside. He wasn't sure if she was really serious. He went out. He got in the car. He sat there for the amount of time that it took him to smoke the half a cigarette he evidently had sitting in the ashtray. Yeah. Before he left. Yeah. And he's actually said a number of times that he regrets not getting out of the car and walking back into the house and saying, no, you should come home with me. Yeah. He also Mm. has said that he he thought she wasn't serious. He thought at any minute she would actually decide, oh, no, just kidding. I do want to go home with you. Yeah. And so that's why he hung around so long. Yeah. From that point, his actions for the night are pretty well documented. He left the party. He went back to Pam's house. He got Pam, got her in the car. They went to his parents' house to collect his children. Talk about awkward showing up at three or four in the morning with your girlfriend while your wife is somewhere else to pick up your children. Yeah, what did his parents think of that? They didn't seem to mind. I, I, I don't know that that's true, but I also think that he left her in the car. Awesome. She wasn't happy about the whole thing either, to sure. be rousted out at three four three thirty four in the morning to take a ride with this guy. I thought it was more like kids. five. I thought they were they went and hung out at Pam's house for a little while, then they went to go pick up the kids. I and I don't recollect the exact time. Yeah, I thought frame it was more like it. an early morning pickup. It it may very well have been, mm-hmm. but he went and got his kids. Brought her, dropped her off at her house. No, did they go back to... They, they all went back to Pam's went, flat. Kids again, and all. Again, weird. Yeah. Uh-huh. So he, yeah. he obviously went and got his kids. So it's it's hard to, to point a finger at what he was doing because his, his actions and, and his trail seem to be pretty easy to follow. Well, if you believe his girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Right? No, that, very good point. Yeah. His, uh, his, his eyewitness in this is also his girlfriend, so mm-hmm. she has a bit of a reason to protect him. As we said before, Jeffrey Chandler, prime suspect. Yeah. The cops bring a case against him. The attorneys bring a case against him. It's a huge inquest. In the end, they don't have enough evidence, and the case goes nowhere, and he is never convicted of a crime. He's also said that he actually wishes that they had just tried him, that he had gone to trial and that he had been proven innocent because he felt that being left kind of out in the dry... He was never really exonerated. The media continued to say it was him. The whole mm-hmm. thing was a bit of a circus. Yeah. Because there were witnesses called that were stopped in the midst of their testimony so that they could protect... The, the, the judge would say, no, we would like to protect the decency of this person. Do not answer that question. When it got yeah. into graphic, gratuitous sexual mm-hmm. information, they would stop them. So there were, uh, there were people who, some of these people we'll talk about later, who were going to be on the stand. Mm-hmm. And the judge dismissed them for those kind of reasons. Yeah. So a lot of stuff didn't, didn't just get brought out into the open. And, and you're right. It, it kind of hosed him in the end. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, he, got a, he got a book out of the deal, right? He did. He, he did, did write he a book. He did write a book. Yeah. He did write a book. I would imagine that it was pretty hard. It's called, So You Think I Did It. 
Uh, I'm not. That's not a lie. It's I called, know, so you I think I did it. Every time I think about that title, it just kind of makes me giggle because it's kind of a silly like title. Such a passive aggressive. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, so you think I did it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So screw you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into theories. Oh yeah. Now oh, that yeah. we've kind of given the basic about the, the case and the people, let's dive into some details. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay, we're talking about theories, so I'm going to lead off with one of my favorites, which is espionage. You yeah. always love espionage. I know, there's always <laughs> one of those, yeah, cloak and dagger stuff. But it, it, it really does seem that whenever bodies turn up dead for unknown reasons, that uh, the allegations of CIA or KGB involvement is usually not far behind. As, a, as opposed to bodies showing up alive? Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, it's, it's when they're dead for unknown reasons, mm. you know. Yeah. There was one story, and I don't know the origins of any of these stories. They've been circulating so long. It's yeah. been so many decades that it's hard to say what the origins are. But the one that got a little traction said that Bogle had been recommended, by whom I don't know, as an agent for for uh, ASIO, which uh, we mentioned before, it's the Australian Security and Intelligence Office. So, you know, they're equivalent to the CIA. Mm. So he was recommended during the 1950s, uh, but whether he was actually recruited, I don't know. And I would suspect he was not recruited by ASIO because what was he doing working in a lab for ASIO? I, mean, I suppose he could have been spying on some of his colleagues. But Possibly. Other, but other than that, what was what possible value could he be to ASIO? I don't know. Yeah, well, no. yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah. I, mean, I know he was, we talked a little bit that he was going to be heading to the States for a, a post in the States. But again, why would this, you know, why would they recruit him and then bring him to the States? It's, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And not really one. And, and this was, I remember in the 1950s when supposedly he'd been maybe possibly recruited long mm-hmm. before he knew he was going to go to the States. True. But of course, he could have been recruited by the KGB. And some, there's been some allegations of that, of course. Uh, of Je- course. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Chandler, and of course, he was probably willing to point the finger at anybody other than himself. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. So he suggested that uh, Dr. Bogle and Mrs. Chandler were murdered by the CIA. Uh, and, but, uh, and With Chandler's death being an unfortunate byproduct? Yeah, benefits. she was collateral damage. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Bogle had apparently supported a recommendation by a Dr. Clifford Dalton, who was a member of the Australian Energy Commission. The recommendation was that a fast breeder reactor that Dalton had developed should not be sold to the U.S. and and the technology should not be shared with the U.S. That's nuclear technology. Yeah, fast breeding reactors, fast breeder reactors. Yeah, yeah. Just making he, sure. I, he always says stuff like that, right? Where he's like, "Yeah, you obviously know yeah. everything about yeah. that." Don't you? Yeah. I do, so you must too. No, yeah, no, I'm no. Just... no idea. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel better. Yeah. yeah, breeder reactors are one of those one of those dealios. You know, most most reactors create just waste, whereas these things are built to to actually create things like plutonium. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, plutonium. So that's that's one of those things that we're not supposed to have. Waste. Yeah. Got yeah. it. Yeah. So it was believed, according to Chandler, that the killing was linked to his recommendation. Mm. Apparently, it was a it was a revenge kind of thing. Mm. You know, they were they were angry, and so they killed him. Sure. But of course, that that leaves the question: Was Doctor Dalton, who actually made the original recommendation, was he killed too? I don't believe so. I don't, I don't think he was, so. and he was actually the original sinner in this case. Mm. So that's kind of weak tea, frankly. 
uh, another one was that he was in, he was involved, of course, in research on masers, which and some people claim that his research was actually top secret research. I don't I've never really confirmed that. <clears throat> and he was due, of course, to leave Cicero in a few weeks to go work in the U.S. at Bell Labs. And of course, Bell Labs does have some highly secret defense contracts. Whether Bogle was going to be actually you know in on those, I don't know. But he had been he had been uh, checked by the FBI before he got the Bell job. He had to be cleared by them. And apparently, um, they didn't have a problem with him. Another report suggests that uh, he was bumped off by the KGB to stop his research. But again, why aren't scientists dropping like flies? Because that's why, I mean, even though Bogle was a very smart guy, let's face it, you know, there, were, there were other smart scientists well, out there, yeah, too. Yeah, scientists tons. as a group tend to be pretty intelligent. So Weird, often, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then another claim was that the CIA killed him because he was a double agent who was selling secrets to the Soviets. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, and, and again, okay, so he was a double agent, so he was working for ASIO and the KGB? I don't know. And again, as, as always in this killing, also Chandler was just collateral damage. Yeah. And this she was, this seems was, to be kind of collateral damage in a lot of these. Yeah. And of course, yeah, this is a, this is a Cold War, and there was lots of paranoia and conspiracy, conspiracy theories were kind of rampant. Uh, yet another suggestion that somebody made, God knows who, originally, he was uh, handing over his super secret agent role to Margaret Chandler. And the reason they went to the river, it was to retrieve a hidden object at a, quote, drop that was under the water, which could only be reached at low tide. Yeah, that's dumb. It's dumb, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't, it, she doesn't There's no have, point for her to be yeah. a secret agent. Uh, well, okay, okay. Let's, she I'm, doesn't, I'm strike me sec- doesn't strike me as secret agent material. But anyway, in this theory that while they were busy retrieving this object, whatever it was, enemy agents appeared, stripped them naked, killed them by holding the poisonous substances all over their faces, and then dropped their bodies, covered them up a little bit, and then made their getaway. What's wait wait now? He had that square of carpet. So what's the carpet got to do with it? You no, know, the carpet was just to to you know get down to the river's edge, and I, I presumably they had, they had to kneel down to reach down under the water to, to get to this hidden theirs. object in this hidden drop. Oh. So the carpet was just tight, like to kneel on, okay, or to walk to protect on. them. Yeah. Although I guess it's it's possible that they were naked from the waist down because they were trying to protect their clothes while they were kneeling in muddy, gross area. Yeah, the river was pretty pretty disgusting and polluted. Yeah. So that's possible. That is. I don't know. Anyways, sorry, continue. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, there's there's validity to that, but I, I'm, I'm not going to buy into it. No, but I dumb. can see mm-hmm. how people could go for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, people like this kind of stuff. That's why it's popular. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. Why do you think so many spy books are written? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Not that many good ones, unfortunately. Uh, let's see what else we have here. There was, uh, in the 1980s, journalists used the Freedom of Information Act in the U.S. to get declassified documents, which uh, showed that J. Edgar Hoover, you guys probably know that name, right? Yep. Indeed. Yeah, uh, had discussed the case with the New South Wales police. And I'm not sure. I mean, I, I seem to recall hearing something about there was a little bit of cooperation because the FBI, of course, has labs. Mm-hmm. That can do very sophisticated analysis. Yeah. So there's nothing necessarily sinister about cooperation between the New South Wales police and the FBI. Yeah, uh, I, I I don't see anything hinky there. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people have said the FBI may have conducted its own investigation of the murders, which I don't have any evidence for. And others have said that the U.S. and Australian governments have been unusually secret about this case. 
And, and because because, because they have no information about yeah. it. Exactly. They had nothing to say about it, I think. Yeah. So, no, there's, you know, I, I don't think any of these theories, any of these espionage, FBI, all that stuff, I don't think any of them really hold any water at all. I agree. I, I, I'm on the same page. So does anybody else have any, any theories they want to share? You well, know we do. Of course, Joe. <laughs> We have another one, which is a little bit kooky, which is that it was a sex drug or some kind of fun drug, whatever a fun drug that may they be, took themselves, that right? they took themselves, self-administered, that they overdosed on. Oops. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Yeah. You know, if, you, if, if it's going to make it more fun than have, taking five times as much, it's, it's going to make, make it, it really fun. fun. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess. The, uh, That's we, not we, just disclaimer. No, 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 don't, <laughs> don't do that. It don't doesn't do it. work. The as we've talked about earlier, the the police had initially decided and come to the conclusion that they had been poisoned or they had potentially overdosed on a drug. Not an unreasonable. No, no, yeah, no, especially yeah. when there's no outward signs of trauma. Mm-hmm. This this is an, a logical conclusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This theory, the, the, the sex drug theory, centers around the idea that they decided, this the pair, Dr. Bogle and Mrs. Chandler, Gib and Margaret, decided, hey, let's take something to in, heighten the experience, to increase the fun, and just make this sexual experience out of this world. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. I know. The the problem is, of course, that there has been, there not has been, there was extensive testing done to the tissues taken from the bodies, and no substances were ever found. And I mean extensive. Mm-hmm. Every bit of of usable tissue sample that was available was tested. Yeah, I think the coroner eventually ran out of tissue samples. Yeah. Yeah. He did a lot of testing. He did a lot of testing, and I don't remember. Maybe one of you can help me out here. I think it's the the liver and maybe another organ that they used. I think they did the liver. I think they did some muscle tissue. Yeah. I think they did, you know, kind of the standard stuff that filters mm. or holds on to some of that stuff. Yeah. The, the liver would be a logical place to look. Yeah. Or... But if you've got two people, that's a lot of samples. Yeah. And they... yeah, I wonder how much they weighed when they were buried. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But they, they, they took a lot of samples, and in the end, they were all used up. Mm. There's been a lot, and I mean a lot, of speculation that the couple took LSD, the thing that you need to understand is that at this time, LSD wasn't a popular drug in Australia, and there wasn't a good known way to test for it. Yeah. They didn't have a, oh, well, we'd run this test to see if you've been on LSD. Mm-hmm. That wasn't developed at that time. And it's also important to point out from the research that I've done it's nearly impossible to overdose on LSD. Mm -hmm. Most folks that die from taking the drug is not the drug itself, but their subsequent actions thereafter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although it's, it's probably worth mentioning that 
with all of these allegations of LSD were the allegations that the LSD that they had taken had been uh, made by Dr. Bogle in their lab. So it was impure or well, overly yeah, pure? That it, or that it could or have laced? been yeah, messed up somehow Possibly. or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, it just... may not have been pure LSD. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, actually, typically LSD is usually cut with something, usually, usually speed, to enhance the hallucinogenic properties of it, because LSD is actually not a terribly hallucinogenic drug. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I don't, but again, I, I, you know, I don't see... Yeah, well, yeah, regardless, I mean, it's, it's people die typically... Because of what they're doing. Because whether they're on a good trip or a bad trip, they put themselves into a situation that is dangerous mm. and they pay the price for that. Yep. So the, the whole LSD sex drug fun time overdose it's it's got some big holes in it. Yeah. No, kind of. I I don't see anything in here about marijuana overdose. <laughs> no. <laughs> is it my turn? Cool. Uh, my theory, my first theory is the jealous lover theory, which makes sense a little bit. There's been a lot of songs about jealous lovers, yeah. so I can see how that would be. There are three kind of main possibilities here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start with the dumbest one first. <laughs> okay. There, so one of the things we glossed over was this eyewitness who's actually fairly important to the case named Mr. Shahalis. Is that how you would say that? Shayless? Yeah. Shayless, I would say. Shayless. It, Shailis. Looks, Shailis. Like, it looks like Shayless or Shalice. Shalice. Chalice. 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 Chalice in the palace. No. Chalice. Anyway, however you say his name, Mr. Chalice actually saw. Chalice. Sh- Chalice. Chalice. <laughs> I think it's Chalice. I'm going to talk about him in a, more in a minute, but just trust me on this one. He's an eyewitness and he at a about the time that they placed the death of uh, Dr. Bogle and Mrs. Chandler, Gibbon Margaret, saw a yellow, quote, yellow blondie-haired man. Uh, blondie-haired? Yeah, that's what it said. <laughs> uh, fleeing across the street, this path that he was driving on, pretty dang close to where they ended up finding Margaret's body. I'm sure he wasn't just a jogger. Mm, he was... The impression that I have is that it's just kind of a little. Stri- there's the road, and then there's a strip, and then it's the river. It's kind so of a unless he's yeah. like a can run on top of water because he darted across the road to towards the river. It's totally possible he was a transient. You know, any of those things, regardless, the, the the speculation is that oh maybe that was Margaret's not Gib lover. And he was jealous and somehow knew where they were and somehow killed somehow them. Somehow figured and that out. Yeah. I, it's dumb. So, yeah, you're looking at me like it's dumb because it's dumb. I'm just, I'm just saying things yeah, that I've was, seen. I wow. Just want... <laughs> uh, did the police put out an APB on yellow blonde here? No, they did not. <laughs> no. <laughs> Next up is Margaret Fowler. She was one of Gibbs' lovers. They had been seeing each other for a while, actually. I think it was like more than three years. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He, she, she worked at Cicero with Dr. Bogle and he tried to break it off a couple times. And she said, she would say things like, Oh, I'll die if you do. Uh, she also told the police during the investigation that, that she was going to move to America with Dr. Bogle, with Gib, and they were going to get a flat together. That that was what was happening. She was going to go to New York with him. 
when he left for America. No, I thought he was going to take his family with him. No, well, that's not what she said. That's not what Mrs. Fla- Margaret Fowler said. Wow. Just saying. Uh, yeah, she was no, crazy. I, I'm she just was thinking about crazy. all of it. We've all seen those stories of the mistress. Mm-hmm. He said this and he loves this and he just, mm-hmm. he can't quite leave him yet, but we're making plans like that. That's yep. what that sounds like to me. There are two main things here. The theory goes that Mrs. Fowler, Margaret Fowler, as I said, there's lots of Margaret's in this story. Yeah. She wasn't even at the New Year's party. She's not part of the five people that were named Margaret at the New Year's party. Oh, that's right. She wasn't she invited. She wasn't even invited to that. The theory is that she somehow knew where they were going to be and maybe followed them from the party or maybe that was Gibbs lover's lane place of choice and where somehow she overpowered them. Yeah. Where she overpowered both of them mm-hmm. and murdered them somehow. It's oh. not great. The only thing that does add a little credence to this theory is a man was interviewed later named Mr. Carlson, Carlson, Mr. Carlson. Sorry. And he said that he saw Margaret Fowler a couple days after the murder before it was huge news, before it had really broken. Blown up. Yeah. And she said, oh, they're dead. And uh, Mr. Carlton said, well, who? And she said, these two people, Margaret and Gibb. And then she kept repeating, uh, they were going to cop out and it's all going to come out. And was talking about chemical warfare and things like that. She's kind of crazy. She said, yeah. Seems super crazy anyway. She seemed unstable. She did seem unstable. But it is worth mentioning, I think, that she did kind of implicate herself to at least one witness saying they were going to, you know, it's all going to come out. It's all going to come out. And that Margaret and Gibb were somehow working together on chemical warfare and they were going to release it. And that's why they were murdered. I'm going to say right now, I I can see that being as simple as it's all going to come out. Our relationship, That's my our, our on the down exactly. low relationship is going to come out. Yes. Mm, that makes but then sense, he, within say. a couple of weeks, she had no problem talking about the relationship. No problem. Well, she's also one of the witnesses, if I remember correctly, that never actually testified yeah. at the inquest yeah. and because she... of the, the morality reason. Well, yeah, but and she... Uh, she was married also, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. But she was also the one who said that she saw... Gib and Margaret getting busy in the bushes at the Christmas party. She was at the, the barbecue. Eyewitness. Yeah, the barbecue. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So worth worth mentioning. Why didn't she murder him then? Because uh, witnesses. No. Oh, it was yeah. so much of a thing. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. The another player that we haven't really discussed yet is Ken Nash, the host of the party, the New Year's party. Mm-hmm. As we said, he was the one dispensing drinks the whole night. And as it turns out, he was mildly obsessed with this case and killed himself 13 years, give or take a day, to the day uh, after Margaret and Gibb had been found dead. Mm, but uh, although there was also, another significant anniversary. Also there, worth mentioning is that, you know, on or about that day two years prior, his wife Ruth had died of cancer. So take that with a grain of salt. But since he was the one dispensing drinks, he could have easily slipped the pair something. It's... It's thought that, uh, you know, he, he could have done that and it may have been a prank, but also maybe he was in love with Margaret too. Who knows? So he killed her. So Makes he killed sense. her and Gib. Uh, well, Gib was, Gib was known to his friends as a bit of a prankster. So mm-hmm. I can see that I can see where this, this has some traction is yeah. 
Well, Gib played a prank on him at work, and he thought, well, I'll oh, get yeah. him. And, oh, he's hanging out with Margaret. Well, oh, well, she's there, too. I'll put it in both their cups. That explains a lot, actually. That he slipped laxatives into both their drinks because all the feces. But it wouldn't kill them that fast. No. <laughs> oh, no, but they were, they were tainted laxatives. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, I guess I um, worth noting is that it does seem like Ken Nash was kind of a boring dude. So I don't know why he would suddenly think, ah, oh, I don't know, I'll prank him. That'll be fun. He seemed really boring. He He's would a real he only gave people two drinks. He's a square. He was kind of a square. So yeah. So why would he be suddenly doing that? That that doesn't well, fit with his personality profile. Well, he might consider doing something something like that, but slipping deadly poison into their drinks. That's not really a prank. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's he misjudged the dosage. Mm-hmm. It's wildly not, though yeah yeah not oh i'm gonna make him a little ill i'm gonna i'm just gonna screw with him a little bit oops i dumped the whole vial in mm. oh well I'll, I'll mix it between the two drinks that'll dilute it Doesn't enough yeah. Maybe. I mean, this is where this that that runs mm. well and this actually flows into my next theory which is poisoning of some kind right we have been talking about poison let's keep talking about poison and like I said, despite Ken's insistence that he'd, quote, dispensed no more than two drinks per guest, there are a lot of reports that both Margaret and Gibb looked pretty drunk by the end of the night. They had glassy eyes. They were hunched over. They, their reports were drunk, but what people are describing is they were looking very ill, very pale, kind of sweaty, clammy, glassy-eyed, hunched over. It's two in the morning. Yeah. It, Even if you're not drunk, you're tired at two in the morning, uh, you're gonna not look your best. Well, I'm just the, gonna say that now, just so that sure. people keep that in mind. But and the, also, you gotta remember, too, that just because he was only serving up two drinks didn't mean people had class with them and stuff like sure. that. Sure. True. I mean, yeah. Well, and I, but I do think it's probably worth mentioning that it seems people noticed this as more of an acute thing. It wasn't like a gradual progression of them kind of uh, getting sleepy and hunching over and getting glassy eyed and get, slowly getting drunk. It was that they were talking to them and then five minutes later they looked pretty ill. I, I, I again, I don't mean to interrupt, but I'm, I'm just trying to flesh this out and yeah. see what, what else could come of it. If they've decided we're going to have this tryst, but we're in this awkward situation in this social environment where Gibb doesn't want everybody to know that he's out playing the field, and Margaret's a little shy about that, I can see that it being a bit of nerves... Do you know where I'm heading with this? Where <laughs> I'm I'm gonna do this thing, but I'm kind of nervous because everybody's around and I don't I don't know how to how how to like get out of here and not make it obvious. Well, they weren't uh, they weren't being very secretive of it. I, they had told the Nashes that Gib was taking Margaret home, but that could have been under the illusion of. Hey, guess what? Drunk Jeffrey's not here. It could, but that's the same. Re I, so they leave together. So he's being a good guy and giving her a ride home. The nerves of it, I don't know. People also, get really weird and awkward about that. Yeah, I, I mean, think about your friends when they meet somebody and they're they're gonna they're gonna go off together for the first time to to hook up or whatever the case may be. And I've seen friends who are a little weird about the whole thing. You watch it, just like, what? what is going on? You don't look right. Are you okay? Are you in high school? 
I have seen it in high school. I have seen it in college. Oh. I have seen it in my 30s. See, I have go. seen people do this. And these people, she was late 20s. He's his late 30s. People still act like that. Fair. Especially in a kind of a repressed era. I mean, it's 1950s, early 60s. It's, you know, I, I can see that going against some societal norms and causing some butterflies in the stomach. Okay. That's just uh, my take on yeah. it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Please, uh, again, yeah, dispute it as much as you want, or we can continue yeah, on. Yeah, okay. Uh, and again, people have a, a, a way of modifying and, and reinterpreting their own memories. Memory is not an accurate thing. That's true. So yeah. can we just, can, let's just continue here for a minute. Have you guys considered maybe they drank some antifreeze? I didn't, but let's continue on with let's what just, Devin has. Let's just keep right. going. So, like I said, it's possible they were poisoned before we went on this weird side quest. <laughs> and side quest! Ken would, have, Ken would have pretty much been the only one to have been able to poison them. They, it's This wasn't the kind of party where you were just leaving your drink everywhere. People pretty much had their drinks in hand. And there was food at the party, but it was all buffet style. So for them to have been the only ones to have gotten sick, there's really no way that it could have been the food. And it couldn't have been food poisoning because of that same thing. We're talking malicious poisoning here, right? So not accidental. Not accidental. Not, oh, we accidentally took too many drugs. We took it. We're talking about somebody slipping them something at some point. Interestingly, aside from actual consumption, drink or eating poison, there have been some suggestions about aerosol poisons. What? Yeah. The gas poisons that would be in an aerosol form. One suggestion is that it could have been a can that was placed under the pedals of Gibbs' car that when he accelerated, it would have dispensed it. And so it this is kind of car. a... This is almost going in tandem with Joe's... This is a KGB kind of thing. Yeah. It's an assassination sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's a very cloak and dagger way yeah. to go about mm-hmm. it. Okay. Yeah. So that that was suggested. It was also suggested that somebody could have come and sprayed them in the face with a aerosol of some kind. At some point. At some point. There, gosh. There's some very interesting aerosol suggestions. And, and in fairness, when Gibbs' car was found... His keys were tucked behind his um, visor. Visor, yeah, sun visor. So Everybody, it would have been. Devin was making that oh, motion of yeah. moving the I sun visor down. Yeah. Um, so it's possible that if somebody had placed an aerosol can under a pedal, that it's not such a problem that it was not there when the police searched the car because it could have been removed. Yeah, but um, just imagine it. You get in the car, you step on the gas, and you hear this sound. Yeah. And if they got the spray, I've had junkers that made funny noises. Well, I think I would even hear that. His car was not that. a junker. Yeah, his car, yeah. he had a decent yeah. car. Yeah. yeah the, uh, um, and, and as far as getting sprayed in the face by somebody, well, I know what would have happened then. They would have, they would have their last dying moments, crawled over to the muck and, and scrawled the name of their, their murderer in the muck. Nope. That's what always happens. Mm-mm. Wrong no. movie. No. Oh, okay. Uh, another suggestion is that it could have been a small capsule placed under the pedal, so it would have burst the capsule that would have then slowly filled the car with noxious fumes and it would have poisoned them that way or even better it could have been dry ice placed in the back of his car and i think i i like this theory because i think acute illness does fit with a lot of the facts of the story discounting even that they looked maybe ill when they left um, so here's my initial problem with all of these gases released in the car. Yeah. 
It's New Year's Day in Australia, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. means it's high summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the windows. It's, I was the windows that are too. not going to be rolled up and the heater on. The windows are probably going to be down because it's warm. Well, but it's still like four or five in the morning, so it's probably it was probably was cool. I just, my understanding it was kind of cool out there. That was my understanding too. Okay, I, yeah, I'm, I, just, I, I'm yeah. just thinking. I'm like, yeah. well, it's high summer. Mm-hmm. I will, you know, even if I have to get mm-hmm. my car at six a.m., I I end up cracking the window because it's a little warm in the car Mm because it's been shut up for a couple of hours while it's still hot Mm because if he got at the park he got to the party what nine o'clock yeah but even still gonna be stuffy yeah but if the windows were only cracked not all the way down it could still if it were potent enough toxin that's true okay i'll I'll give you that so shahalis as i was talking about earlier shahalis shahalis so he in the palace yeah you guys are the worst (laughs) He w- happened to be parked kind of where they found Gibb's car when Gibb and Margaret pulled up. So he's actually an eyewitness to some of their last moments. So this was likely around four, I would say, probably around 4 a.m., maybe closer to five. He w- had just parked his car. He was going to go for a walk, early morning walk, because I guess people are crazy like that sometimes. <laughs> And he said that a car pulled alongside it, alongside him or up close to him. It was Gibbs car and that there was a woman in it who he couldn't see. He said that he had the impression that the driver was about to speak to him, uh, but didn't. And he also said that the driver looked pale, but he thought maybe he was just drunk, which is fair. Yeah. Yeah. So Shahalis went out for the walk and returned to his car about an hour later. And he noticed that actually the car had been moved, reparked. Which is a bit odd, in fairness. Gibbs' car. Gibbs' car, yeah, had been reparked. But Shehalis had only one hand, <laughs> so he couldn't... <laughs> he was a vet. Yeah, so he couldn't turn his car around, so he did this little loop, which is the path that the boys were walking, and that's when he saw the guy dart across. The blonde well, It guy. wasn't the, the same guy. path, but it was the, it was the car track, not the footpath. Because the, the footpath crosses yeah. the road, yeah. and sorry. the road goes across the bridge. Yeah, sorry, that's... Well, yeah. no, it's it's a golf course path. Yeah, but it's, it, it's not for driving your car down. But he did drive his car down it. Oh, he did? Yes, because he oh, couldn't okay. get turned around. He was parked on it, and he couldn't get turned around, so he took the loop. Okay, I, I, I totally misconstrued mm-hmm. that. I thought he went made a loop through a different route okay no there's a map that describes it pretty well and i remember looking at it i just uh, as i always do mixed up a map fair totally fair anyways that's that's when he saw the the aforementioned uh blondie haired man yellow blondie haired man there's certainly some oddities here gibb was a scientist and many people believed as we said he could have been target for assassination aerosol poisoning would have been a fairly clean way to assassinate somebody it seems the onset of whatever happened was pretty acute vomit and poop everywhere you know gibbs body the stripping down of their clothes i also have some problems with the lover's lane theory in general that they would go out into the forest to have their liaison why not just park your car in a secluded area want to do it in the car yeah that evidently is one of the reasons that gibb had that piece of carpet yeah, yeah. Oh. Is so it's copulation that... carpet. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's she could put the carpet down on the ground and then sit on the carpet and not 
get dirty. Mm, that's well, fair. Except, why he had except it. from touching the tar the carpet. Right. Yeah. But yes, she didn't. But know. she wouldn't get muddy. How's yeah. that, Joe? Yeah, that yeah. sounds good. They did pick kind of a scuzzy spot, though. They did. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I don't know. I have problems with that. Just in general, the whole lovers lane thing. It looks. It does truly to me look like two people who got really sick, and started running to have their sickness wherever additionally margaret being found 45 feet away from gib that's odd to me and the coroner did place her time of death two hours after his and eventually he did they initially thought that they had died at the same time but then it was found that he died at 5 a.m and she died at 7 a.m ish so poison i don't know it metabolizes differently in your body it could explain why they died at different times if yeah, how you gonna... respirate it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, If it were under his seat, he would have gotten most of it, and she would have gotten some of it. I don't know. Disoriented. She could have been disoriented. That's why she had his underwear that far away. She was trying to pull her underwear up and then just fell over and died. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's a, it does seem to me that they just were really sick for whatever reason yeah, well, and yeah, really and, disoriented. And there's, there's, there's stuff about the fact that they were at the riverbank. Yeah. And that's where the trail of feces begins. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I don't know that at the riverbank, on a muddy riverbank, is where I would go to have a nighttime affair. Yeah, I don't think that's where mm-hmm. I would go either. Mucky, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, not 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 where I would consider optimal romance. I agree. But then again, yeah. romance probably wasn't really involved in this. Yeah, but... I'm a little surprised that Dr. Bogle was, at least, you know, it was ignorant of, of this, this thing. Like, for example, people think sex on the beach is really romantic. Oh, bad. No, it's a bad, bad idea. idea. Bad, bad idea. Bad idea. Because the, the kind of germs and stuff that exist in, and toxins that exist in, in sand on beaches, and I'm sure it's the same for this river. Are things that you really don't want to get inside your body. Well, also just friction. sand. Yeah. Just oh, that, about, yeah. Well, let's not oh, yeah. talk not. about let's friction. Just, so that's yeah. just move forward. Yeah. Because we were about to go down a really bad trail. Yeah. Can we just go to the next theory? Well, yeah, no problem. But uh, yeah, there's one last theory, and this is something that's gained traction in recent years. And uh, this theory is that Bogle and Chandler were killed by hydrogen sulfide poisoning. Uh, the big proponent of this theory is an Australian guy named Peter Butt who made a documentary on the topic, and he also that was aired, by the way, on ABC, which is the Australian Broadcast Channel, I think. Uh, and he also wrote a book that talks a little bit more extensively about his theory, and the book is called Who Killed Dr. Bogle and Mrs. Chandler? And I want to give another shout-out to Alina, the listener we talked about at the beginning who suggested this episode, and she was kind enough to send us a copy of the book, which is really awesome. Because yeah, that, that's yeah we all read. Steve was like, ah, everybody read this. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it was one of my first actual homework assignments for everybody. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, a real book. Here uh-huh. you go. Yeah. Uh-huh. Not just check out this silly black background website. Yeah, yeah I know. And, and, and by the way, I don't know who's responsible, but sorry, Alina, for the chocolate fingerprints. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, it was Devin, I'm sure. No. Mm-mm. It was Joe. It was Joe. Okay, fine. The spot on the river where they were found was surrounded by mangrove trees. Oh, well, that's it. There you go. Yeah, deadly mangrove trees. <laughs> they might have been KGB spies. I don't know. Uh, but it happens that mangrove trees actually do emit hydrogen sulfide. Uh, it's, and, and according to experts, it's theoretically possible to be gassed to death in a mangrove swamp. It's really unlikely, but uh, if, if air conditions are just right, i.e. the air is totally stagnant, 
no wind. And if you're in a low spot in the ground, and the time of day actually makes a difference too, then it's theoretically possible to be gassed just by mangroves. Not mm. likely. Not likely. No. That's, but That's a one in a gazillion chance. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, there, was, um, there was something else that was augmenting the hydrogen sulfide concentration in the area, and that was pollution. There had, uh, in the past, been tanning factories, a chemical company, a vinegar company, all these guys dumping waste into the river. Uh, there was also a sewer, a sewer line, which I don't know if the sewer line leaked or not, but they actually laid the sewer line right down the middle of the river. It leaked. Yeah, yeah. They always do. They always yeah, they do. Yeah, they usually do, yeah. Uh, and also, this is probably the worst offender, was the Chicago Cornflower and Starch Mill, which dumped about 20 million gallons of sulfurous waste into the river every year from 1894 until about 60 years later when they closed. So a lot of that stuff accumulated. Uh, the sulfurous waste apparently killed a lot of plants and fish. It caused a rise in what's called saprophytic bacteria, which I don't know much about bacteria, to be honest with you, but apparently this particular kind of bacteria, they live on dead organic, mat- organic matter, and they produce hydrogen sulfide. Oh. Yeah. So that would be the kind of stuff where you see... A pond that is full of algae and everything dies, and then the algae dies, and then nothing ever grows in it again because it's yeah. full of mm-hmm. that bacteria. Because we've all seen those kind of dead ponds. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know, yeah. And also making matters even worse is they constructed a weir downstream from the site. What's a weir? Sorry. Yeah, well, a weir is a low dam, and the idea of a weir is that it's low enough that water can still flow over the, over the top of it, mm-hmm. but it still dams it up and creates like a pond okay. or, or pool behind it. Sure problem with the weir is all the stuff that's flowing downstream can most of it's like just accumulating it's not just flowing out to sea and actually this river the river the lane cove river, cove river that we're talking about is actually a tributary of a larger river so it's not flowing directly into the sea of course but but anyway so it, and also tidal action can't come up like tidal the water from downstream can't be shoved up and sort of flush it out and back downstream none of that's going on because the weir is blocking the path because all of this stuff that that's getting dumped into the river is acting like a sediment and just building up yeah mm. pretty much okay so there's a, there, theoretically it's possible that there could be like, you know there could actually be eruptions of hydrogen sulfide oh yeah i know bubbles that's not great. bubbles in the mud go burst and then next thing you know a big cloud of hydrogen sulfide comes out and residents of the area had been complaining for decades about a really bad rotten egg smell in the area, in the neighborhood. And, well, that's what hydrogen sulfide smells like. Oh, cool. Yeah. No, that stinks. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. At a level of one... I can't part... even pity laugh for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that was lame. Yeah. Oh, come on. Mm-mm. I was trying. Mm-mm. No, no. It was a high-quality attempted humor. So one part per million, uh, you'll notice, you sort of notice a bad smell at about 30 parts per million. Smells... This is hydrogen sulfide oh, itself, right? Hydrogen sulfide, yeah. Uh, about 30 parts per million and up, it smells like rotten eggs. And then apparently at fit between 50 and 100 parts per million, it smells supposedly kind of sickeningly sweet. And I don't know. I haven't smelled the stuff. Mm. No, I, I Actually, can't say I've ever smelled that concentration, no. and I'm happy no. about that. Yeah, no, me I too. I don't know if I've ever whiffed this stuff, to tell you the truth. Uh, over 100 parts per million, it paralyzes your olfactory nerve almost instantly. So you can't smell it. So you can't smell it, but mm. it's invisible to you. Uh, yeah, you just wouldn't notice it. All, you just notice yourself feeling sick and puking and having breathlessness. <laughs> so, yeah, 
And you'd be going, gee, I wonder what's going on with this, you know? And then you'd just, uh, you know. Not feeling so hot. Yeah. I'm puking. Okay. Well, so you, what? You would probably just die, right? I mean, unless, Eventually, you, unless, unless you left the area. Unless you're lucky enough to leave the area, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if I walked into a room, for example, and I started getting breathless and puking, I probably would walk out of the room. Uh, not, yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you never know. I mean, you're going to be oxygen deprived. Your brain's not going to be functioning at 100%. So who knows? I'm told that at 200 parts per million, respiratory failure respiratory failure occurs within seconds. And at 1,000 parts per million, which we're not even close to that, but a single breath can cause cardiac arrest, just like that. So the levels here were probably in the, in, in the 100 plus range at the river, but they weren't measured. So nobody knows exactly sure. It's so it's kind of anecdotal. Yeah. It appears that 100 parts per million was not uncommon in the area on still windless days. Uh, and because it's heavier than air, it tends to pool in hollows and low spots, like down right over the river and stuff like that. You know, like, you know, down the riverbed. Uh, and so it would seek the low points along the bank. And to anybody that's breathing it in, when it reaches those concentrations of a plus 100% parts per million... You don't know this there. Yeah. You just notice all of a sudden you're breathless, you're nauseous, and you get confused. You just don't make good choices. And you wind up, you know, when, I mean, these people probably could have saved themselves. I buy the theory. I think it's the most. So you're, you're, in, you're in for this one. Well, this is my number two one. Oh, well, let's keep going on this one before you go with your number one, because I <laughs> yeah. think I know what your number one is yeah. going to be. Oh, but, of course. But let's, but no, let's no. keep, let's, okay, so. No, no. Uh, so, yeah, they could have saved themselves. I mean, obviously, if their brains had been functioning at 100%, they could have just, like, stood up. Just standing up might have done it, might have done the trick, grazing themselves up that high. And certainly walking up the riverbank and getting away from, would, would probably have done a lot. Yeah, I, that's fair. I think if you add in that they may have been drunk or otherwise inebriated, mm-hmm. I buy it a little more. But they were horizontal I, for some I do reason. have the problem of him dying so much faster than her and also her making it 45 feet away from him. Mm-hmm. That's not a small distance. It's not mm-hmm. a huge distance, but it's not like right there. And then I guess none of these theories really address the fact that they're all covered up, but you know, well, that's, uh, uh, yeah. let me, let me, <laughs> and I gotta, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to not say this too graphically, but if they are in the act mm-hmm. and he is excited, mm-hmm. he's probably going to ta- be taking very deep breaths and breathing in quite rapidly. Where if she is not as excited, she's breathing more normally. Or so he may have been taking more of it in, and as they try to scramble away, he can't make it, which is why she gets farther away and doesn't die as quickly. Or the other thing is possibly he was on the bottom and she was on the top. Possible. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm just thinking of it in terms of respiration is where I was taking mm-hmm. that well, with that is too. that he may have been very excited and rapidly breathing and, and getting more of it. I mean, Fair. if we're going to say this is what it is, and I'm, I'm not 100% on this theory. Mm-hmm. Well, but yeah, it's got its weaknesses. It does. Number, because... number one being uh, at least a couple more people should have died uh, over the years by this river. Yeah. yeah. Additionally, the 
the people who found, you know, not so long after, or Shahalis, who was in that same area at the Shalice. same time, yeah. should have said, oh, it was really stinky, or, oh, I was feeling a little ill myself. He didn't have any ill effects. One thing to to know about, uh, it's hydrogen sulfide, correct? Yeah. One of the things that breaks it down super fast mm. is sunlight. Mm. Well, I don't so think it was So if they're all there, if the boys are there at nine That's and fine. Chalice is there around the same time, but no. he's walking around. No. no, he was there at the same time, right? He was there at the same time as Bogle and Chandler. Right, or... but he's not on the river bank. Sure. He's, he's not that far away, though. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. If it's five in the morning... You walk the path. There's not sun. Yeah, no, I can see where the sunshine issue... Okay, I see where the problem is with that, but he's also not on the riverbank. Right, but if it's in that high concentration down below, at the very least, he's going to say it was a really strong odor. Yeah, or, it really stank. I yeah, really didn't feel okay or you know, something. If it was so strong that it could literally kill people not 50 feet down the bank... He's going to feel some effects or at least smell something or mention something about that. You would think. Yeah. But but he may not have mentioned it because people who lived in that area, as I think Joe had talked about before, had been complaining about this for years. So it just may have been, this part of the river stinks. Maybe. Mm. Well, also, it's... You I'm not going to talk about it because it just everybody knows this river stinks. Maybe. Well, you, you never know, too, because there's a medical condition known as anosmia, which means that you can't smell. You can't detect odors. And it's actually more common than people realize. And so, you know. Maybe. Yeah. You may have, that, that have just had be, that or. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's you know, Fair. entirely within. But, uh, Fair. but no, I mean, there were other people like, like, wasn't it the case that some of the reporters that went down and checked out the crime scene were reported a really disgusting odor? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They did. Of course, that could have been all the feces, too. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, that probably wasn't that probably contributing. Didn't, probably didn't help matters, huh? Yeah. All the puke and feces, yeah. Uh, well, uh, you, you, Joe, I, I, uh, I hesitate to give you the reins for it. this one, but you had one more theory. Don't do oh, it. no, no, no. I'm not going to bring it up. It's, you guys can't handle the truth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, thank goodness we don't have to hear it then. Yeah, yeah but anyway, I, you know, I guess really when... And if you can learn anything from this, is that these guys should have gotten a motel. Yeah. Their lives certainly would have been a lot different. Really? Yeah. Next time, get a freaking room, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Come on, guys. That's the moral of the story. Uh, well, before we wrap this up, uh, Joe, you it sounds like you're mostly behind the hydrogen sulfide theory for the most part, not not 100, percent but that's yeah. that's your that's your your number one candidate. Yeah, I mean, when you set aside all the all the lurid, ludicrous murder theories, um, I don't see anybody that had a strong motive to kill these people, and uh, the, the the idea of making up a really exotic aerosol that can kill them and not leave any any anything in their tissues and stuff like that. Well, how many people have that capability? Yeah, and no, so, that's a good point. Yeah. And so this is the only one that really, you know, actually makes any sense at all. Even though I still have a problem with it, like I said, more people should have been dying along that river. Yeah. 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 That's what I don't get. Yeah, I think I lean slightly towards poisoning of some kind just because I do think that there's a strong anecdotal evidence, at least, for them being sick upon exit of the car. Uh -huh. I think I, that seems to me... I don't know, maybe they parked next to Shehalis, realized that he was there, so they parked the car. They parked it across the street from him, so they were going out, they were about to go to town on each other, and then, oh, crap, I feel sick, better run out in there. I don't know. Mm. I, 
again, though, there are a lot of unanswered questions. You know, actually, all that stuff. Actually, you know, it just occurs to me that um, you know, what if somebody gave them a poison, but not really, not something intended to kill them, but something which actually had a deleterious effect on their respiratory system. Something which actually, you know, in combination, one of the, one of the side effects of it. Maybe they somebody gave them a laxative because just for fun, yeah. you know. And but maybe this particular drug also had a side effect of being bad for your respiratory system. But of course, it's not, you know, not typically in the doses you give it. It's not going to affect you that adversely. One of the things that Ruth Nash got investigated for was um, she also, I if I remember correct, she was into the Dachshund scene as well. She loved dachshunds, and she had deworming medication for the dogs that had been prescribed by her vet, which, if you've ever accidentally gotten anything like that, it has the effect of a laxative on the human system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that happens. These things happen. And they, they checked her out. They checked all her pills. They checked the bodies for that. So it could have been some kind of derivative like that. I, I'm not, mm. I, but I know that that was something that got looked into. I personally, the only one that works is the sulfide, the hydrogen sulfide. But my, my issue with it is, as Joe said, why didn't more people die? Yeah. And over the years in places that are notorious for actually having these eruptions of hydrogen sulfide, there's only been a handful of deaths. Yeah. It doesn't happen too often. It doesn't yeah. happen too often. In, and I, but it does this is the only people. one that was a double murder from this, if it was this, two deaths at the same time. I, I have an issue with I don't have a better theory. None of them seem to stand up. This is the only one that seems to have some evidence behind it. Yeah. But it's just so lucky the odds of it happening at that time Unlucky, and place let's be fair yes yeah. are so high yeah but i also have uh, the problems with the you know, who who covered their bodies and yeah because of the, and the initial did, reports and, and two hours and, yeah like two hours is a long time for her to have outlived him it's one thing if it were 45 minutes a half an hour even an hour fine but for them to be breathing the same toxins in the same quantities but for her last two whole hours longer than him that's she was 45 odd. feet away she may have been just high enough up that's kind of what i, I was thinking that she passed she out yeah Maybe. she was unconscious i don't th- but she was in a depression and which is probably what and i if i i could be wrong in. but i i think the drawings looked like she was actually closer to the i mean it's it's true the pocket could have been more localized to where he was that's fine but it does seem Weird. Yeah, I I, mm-hmm. I I don't know where I stand. I, I don't I, either. I can't pull any of these as my prime. I love this theory. Yeah. I'm know. saying it was the professor in the library with a lead pipe. Again. No. Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah, you can cut that, you can cut that one out. <laughs> if, uh, if you have a theory about this that you would like to share with us, you are more than welcome to do that. You can go to our website, which is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. You can leave a comment on the site. Of course, you'll find some of our research there and the audio for this episode or any of the episodes that we've put out. Most folks are listening to us through some streaming app, whether it be Stitcher or a web app or a mobile app. We're on most of those. We're, of course, on iTunes. Yep. So if you're on iTunes... Please do take the time, leave us a comment and a rating. 
We are on Facebook. We have the group and the Facebook page, and both the, the group is uh, most has uh, been insanely busy lately and yeah. it's been fantastic all the stuff that's going on so that's really really fun so if you want to get in on that like the page join the group everybody seems to be enjoying that uh, of course we're on twitter it is thinking sideways so drop the g on thinking you can find us there we do tweet we have some, we have conversations with folks on Kinda. there as well yeah sort of well it's 100 and some odd characters it's not yeah. a big conversation that's fair. But, uh, and uh, let's see what else oh of course we've got our email address if you do want to tell us something, you've got thoughts on this story or suggestions for other ones, any and all emails are happily received at thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. Without saying that having been said, because <laughs> Devin looks at me every time like I do that, we're going to roll this one up, put it in the can, slap a bow on it, and call it done. Yes. Sounds good. About time, damn it. Yeah. yeah. We've been working on this one for a while, and I still don't know what I'm doing with it. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, I'm staying the hell away from that river. Yeah. <laughs> and it's actually like kind of nice now. Like I said, get a room, people. Yeah. Uh, they took the yeah. weir out, I think. Yeah. But, I'm sure they've cleaned it up. Uh, hopefully. Uh, we're going to go ahead and, uh, well, I'm going to call it a night. I don't know about you two. So uh, I will talk to all of you folks forever, later. But, uh, yeah. No, I guess I'll go too. See you later. See you later, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye.